You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Hello, welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Tuesday, the 7th of June. And of course, I've got with me Joe and Vince. We are going to be doing some discussions about E3 that's going to be coming out next week. There's not a ton of news right now in terms of game stuff right now. It's all ramping up to E3 with a lot of expectations and predictions and whatnot. So I figured, well, we'll toss our hat into that ring and see what we are looking forward to and what we predict for E3 next week. We are also going to be recording, same as last week, an extra episode this week, which is going to be tomorrow. We're going to be recording the next chapter in our D&D adventure, which we're actually behind on that one. And I don't care about anybody else. I want to know. <laughs> I, I, I thought you've been putting it off because you're afraid. No, no, no. I've been wanting to know what the hell is going to happen to Sir Reginald and or his trusty companion. And I don't mean tag. <laughs> so we are going to find out tomorrow. And as it would well, happen. Well, I can already spoil it for you. I'm going to save Robin and let you see what happens to you. That'd be, I'd be all right with that. To be honest, whatever fits the story. Anyways, tomorrow's episode is actually going to be our 200th episode. So we're going to be somewhat in character tomorrow. I'm not likely to talk about it quite as much. So I figured that I would bring it up for this episode just to say, you know what? Congratulations on 200 episodes. We've been going for years now with this, with only a few months here and there off when I had to take some time off. But it has been such a fantastic podcast to do with you guys. I didn't even realize we were that at 200 already. Yep. You know, I think that's a good sign, though, because we have so much fun doing this. I don't count the number of episodes. I just wait for the days that I get to talk to you guys. Well, I got a number of them every week, so that's where I, that's exactly. why I, I know it. what number we are on CBI because I have to type up the fucking show notes every oh, week. Oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, very much looking forward to that episode tomorrow. Should be a ton of fun. And quite likely, a little bit more wine is going to be down before, after, and during that episode. So it should be yeah, a You thought Sir Reginald made dumb decisions before. Oh, just you wait and see. Ho, 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 ho. Anyways, Let's wait till you see what poor decisions Roger's next character makes. Seriously, you're going to kill him off? He's an icon. I ain't. Listen, <laughs> I've an icon? He is an icon. I do not kill anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what does that mean? You're, you're implying that I killed well, him. Yeah. Well, first of all, some would say this might be a form of suicide. <laughs> But at the end of the day, the dice determine who lives and dies. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about some E3. Now, I didn't feel that last year's E3 was quite up to par, like quite as exciting. But what also happens is that they tend to be more exciting when there is some fairly big news, which this year we're anticipating a lot of hardware news. And that's... Where a lot last of the enjoyment comes in. Last year's conference was super exciting during the Sony portion. Yeah, well, yeah. 
I mean, as <laughs> Outside a whole. Of that, yeah. I mean, again, we're looking at hardware-wise potentially getting mm-hmm. a lot more information on the Nintendo NX. Plus, with the recent rumors that it is being delayed because they're incorporating VR, that's got me interested. Not interested enough that I'm like, ooh, I cannot wait to buy it. No, 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 no. I'm still going to be holding off. But I'm curious how or if, obviously, but if they do decide to implement it, how it's going to work. Because the way they're talking, they're looking at it being separate from the console as well, which is going to make it a lot more feasible to do different things with. It's probably going to be a standalone headset with a little tripod, so you have to set it up on your coffee table. I I will fucking cut you. Anyways. I think Roger is confused. You don't. You even get what he's referencing? I don't even know what he's talking about. No, he's referencing the Virtual, the virtual Boy. Boy. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's a hell of a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. No, have, actually, we probably a little later that. than that. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to say. I'm still, again, because of the Wii U and being burnt by that, I'm still not rushing towards it. But if the rumors for the VR are true, I, it certainly does have me interested in curious what they're they're planning. And then, curious, yes, but I'm not remaining optimistic yet. I mean, if we're just going to get like weird Mario like tennis games, like we did the last exactly. time they tried to do VR, yeah, uh, no. Well, the problem is, is that this is not going to resolve the third party problem. And so, and that's the big one. So we need to have... Anything that'll make it worse. Well, I mean, Nintendo has this weird thing about wanting to be in control of everything, too, which does not help them or entice third parties to work with them at all. Sure. But because they are actually branching out and we're seeing, like, the Pokemon stuff on mobiles and different things, they are... It's a slow process. It's even slower when it comes to Nintendo, but there's... A light at the end of the tunnel showing that somebody there appreciates that they can do more if they do spread out and don't just rely on the Nintendo consoles and, and handhelds. So Hey, you know what you know what they're not slow about though? Slapping copyrights on videos that don't even go live. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, go okay, Nintendo. Okay. We're not going there. <laughs> oh no, I'm speaking for personal experience as of recent. Nintendo. Yeah. Yes, they're horrible. We're not talking, (laughs) but uh, I don't think we'll we'll see much. They've said flat out, NX is not going to be at E3. They're pretty much, from what we know, piling everything on Link's poor shoulders this year, and we'll see what else they have to show off. But uh, from everything Nintendo has said, the NX isn't far enough into development to really show up at a conference. I don't buy that. I think they will give some details, just not a hell of a lot. I, you I know, I'm gonna go with Vince though. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna sit on it. Okay. Well, we will see. I think they're gonna, they're gonna wait until like Xbox and and PlayStation start really like ramping up what the next big things are going to be, if anything, besides VR. And then once they know what they're dealing with, then they'll say something. That's gonna be my prediction on that. Well, it's. I mean, we are going to see the information for the next PS4 and Xbox. Next week, I I would put down money that they're going to talk about the codename Neo and codename Two uh, next week because they are, despite what Phil Spencer said that they didn't, he wasn't a fan of 1.5 consoles. The fact is, there have been way, way too many rumors and leaks talking about this point, yeah. an incremental boost to the Xbox, and then the PS4 again. They've talked about it too much. 
And there have been reports from developers, which take it with a grain of salt, certainly, but talking about the power of the existing PS4 with the PlayStation VR. Now, that was a lot of those comments were made before the breakout box was released. That makes a huge difference in what they can do, certainly. But based, again, on just how much information has come out, I'm fairly certain that the that next incremental boost to the PS4 is coming out, which I got to tell you, as somebody who owns both of those, kind of pisses me off because yeah. I'm all for... I don't know New anybody consoles. that thinks this is a good idea. The developers, because they get to play with more memory. That was yet another thing that I was, uh, who was it? It was a developer for somewhere. I can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. And he was saying how, you know what, if we could get new consoles all the time, we would love that because it's more and more power that they can play with. But as a consumer, you're left in the dust way too fast. And and so, no, I'm not a fan of this. Make it yeah, work. It, it, it's not like a PC where I can yeah. swap out a part to make it better. It's This is a full, brand new purchase at ludicrous costs. Yeah, and it's not like the good old days. Like, I mean, it's going to sound really stupid, but I'll go back to the Nintendo 64 and probably the one thing that Nintendo did right with the expansion pack. Give me an expansion, expansion card. Pack. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like the expansion pack. Now, here's the fun thing about that. We already know that there are third-party hardware for the PS4 and the PS3 that expand things like internal storage, uh, USB ports. I could honestly see the way that these are built tapping into what's in there to add more RAM or whatever the case is because it's a fucking computer. Like, at this point, these are not, like, separate little box devices that just play, like, cartridges anymore. These are full-blown computers. They know what they're doing with them. Like, they could expand this if they wanted to. I, I reserve the right to retract my rage if they somehow do make it modular and I can just buy an upgrade. I if they make it modular, forget about it. I, will, I, will, I will sign on that one. I, they're not going to make an upgrade to oh, the, either the, the, the Neo or the 2 modular because, again, you're looking at chip replacements as well as RAM, more RAM, likely more RAM, but more often than not, it's going to be the CPU that's going to be boosted up. So that's not going to – definitely not going to be modular. So it's completely unrealistic, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. So yeah, no, I uh I'm again, if you had only heard the news, especially because of the PlayStation VR, the how the developers were saying they were disappointed and they thought that it was garbage without the 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 increase in in processing power, well those comments were made with the 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 retail as it stands now ps4 but without the breakout box to give it more power so Mm -hmm. that that makes a huge huge difference and with xbox now also talking about going into vr more strongly because yeah they microsoft has a somewhat of a partnership with the the rift but none of the games are really rift compatible you're playing in a theater mode that's it so it's not like you're really getting the most for it but they are pushing more for the rift and now having seen because of the rift being out as well as the HTC Vive how much power those suckers really need it's obvious that the Xbox 1 is not going to cut it for that unless they do the same kind of thing as PlayStation did with the the breakout box so those are like huge concerns as it comes to as it pertains to the the consoles because they're so they're so new relatively speaking that somebody feeling that they have to buy another one just so that they could get a good vr experience wow that's yeah that pisses me off (laughs) i bought my ps4 what three years ago and it's i i still look at it as brand new like it should have a lot of life left it's not that old 
Know, You're going to make three me years, look yeah. good. Well, not four. You said four. No, no, no. I said three. Joe? He did say three. Did he? Why the fuck did yeah. I hear four? Or maybe it was because you said PS4. Okay, whatever. That, that, yeah, I, I'll grant you that. Okay. But anyways, moving on from hardware, because there's a whole bunch of other freaking VR news, but I'm not going to talk on that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be 2013 all over again, where everything was 3D. This year, everything is going to be VR. Yeah. Well, well with, I don't know. Not everything. No, but it has a lot bigger everything. footprint. If you look at the, the floor map that shows everything, they're taking up a lot more space. Which oh, yeah. I think is awesome because you want people actually testing it because that's when people get sold on the idea. So, yeah, let them have fun and test it so that we can get a ton more coming out for it. I think we might actually, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, hardware-wise, we might actually see more of the AVR stuff as yeah. well, too. Yeah. Um, especially with the announcement that Microsoft was going to be opening up their, you know, their HoloLens technology to third-party companies. I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to hear a lot more about that, too. Well, not just that, but Asus as well as working on theirs. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot more people that are looking now at the attention that the Rift and the Vive and the PSVR are getting and wanting in on that action. So, pff, well, not only that, go for but, it. I mean, for me, for me personally, like, and this is going to sound really weird, as a tabletop gamer, I've been waiting for something like this to happen. An AVR system that lets me project a game onto a tabletop with an opponent or somebody who's miles and miles away from me, whatever the case is, so I can play a game similar to like Warhammer or War Machine, you know, in augmented virtual reality with somebody completely not even in the same room as me. That would be something that I would love to see like happen. I would love to see something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that. That would be phenomenal. So anyways, I we will no doubt be talking about that stuff next week but we'll, we'll skip over and the week of, after oh god i'm gonna be talking about that stuff all the time fyi uh ps4 came out november 15th 2013 so it's not even three years yet oh, so i like stand I justified okay so two years yeah and when joe was talking about the modular things too yeah i had actually changed the almost as soon as i could the, the hard drive in mine too so mm-hmm. i had more space so yeah i have the enclosure for mine as well yeah Okay, let's move on to some game stuff because that is essentially, again, what we are most excited about is what titles are going to be there. What we know is going to be there, what we're not quite sure, but will probably be there and all that. Do you anticipate we're going to hear more about from uh, for uh, Scalebound? God, I hope so. I It's gotten to the point where I forgot about that game until you just mentioned it, and now I just remembered how excited I am for that yeah. game. <laughs> Because there's a lot of titles that they've said, yeah, definitely going to be talking about these, but not seeing Scalebound there. Yeah, and Scalebound's gone quiet. Yeah, like that, well, that kind of worries me a little bit. Um, they pushed it back, so it's not really surprising, and who knows how much more they can actually show. That said, I still would like to see more on it. it turns out it's more like The Last Guardian than we originally yeah, thought. Yeah, really? Oh, God, shut up. <laughs> that's another one too who knows if we'll see more on that anything yeah. um, some of the interesting things that I saw as well title wise while I'm not a huge Battlefield fan I mean I play some I really enjoyed the mm-hmm. last one but they're going back to Battlefield 1 which is now going to be for World War 1 and what they well, sh- alt history yeah. World War 1 which is interesting so what they showed, though, in the weapons and, again, the, the horses and all kinds of other things, it looks pretty interesting. I Not a day I, one purchase, 
but I would really enjoy playing through whatever campaign they have for it. If they show me the ability to drop bombs out of hot air balloons onto things below me, <laughs> I'll buy the game just for that. <laughs> that would be There's awesome. some World War One history for you, folks. And yeah, did you? It, go- it, should, it should be suitably nuts. Yeah, definitely. And and looked gorgeous, obviously. But holy crap, did mm-hmm. it ever look good? Did you guys look at the game, The Turing Test? No. It's it's essentially a portal ripoff. And wherein you are in an experimental kind of massive warehouse with a whole bunch of rooms and you need to get through door after door. And you have a, again, very much similar to like a type of a gravity gun that you can pull. There's the uh, it's not really keypads. It's little like breakout boxes that are in the wall that have this glowing orb in the middle. And from a distance, you can use your gun to suck it to the gun and then pop it into whichever door you're closest to, say, if you go up some stairs or whatever. But it's very much a puzzle type game that looks very similar to Portal. And it has a nice feel to it because, again, we, we liked Portal. So it's it's it looks like it might be some fun. Nothing spectacular, but... I'm looking forward to seeing some more of it. It'd be awesome. And I didn't hear if it is VR or not, but it is definitely the type of game that VR could have a ton of fun with. So that's kind of the stuff that I'm looking forward to hearing about there. What are some mm-hmm. of the titles that you guys are, are interested for? Vince, we'll start with you. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm actually getting really excited for Civilization Six, Right. Because that was just announced a few weeks ago. So E3 should be like, its first real big breakout. I mean, other stuff like Deus Ex and Dishonored, like at this point, they're known quantities. So I'm sure they're going to get a ton of screen time, but I think I've kind of seen everything I need to for those. Right. But um, like near Automata, I'm hoping to see a lot of this year. So, I mean, there's a lot of games that are going to be at E3 that I've kind of already made up my mind on, you know, Persona, maybe Final Fantasy, like, I Am Setsuna had that cool trailer came out last week, but the game comes out the week after E3. So really, what can they yeah. What can they show me more than I can just wait a week to see from other people? So, I mean, it, it's it's going to come down to, you know, what, what aren't we expecting? Like Horizon Zero Dawn, we loved it last year. We're going to love it this year, but we already know it's not going to be out until next February. So there's one of those things where we already have too much information about the stuff that we wanted to know the most about. See, one of the other ones that I'm really excited for is Andromeda, uh, as mm-hmm. oh, yeah, most yeah, folks, about that. but that's on the list. We should actually be getting more details on that, and hopefully they're at a point where they can actually provide details and not just some obscure teaser trailer that means fuck off and nobody kind of thing. So if we could get some details, even if it's just in the form of some screenshots, some concept art, whatever, telling us, okay, you're going to be playing as this person, this, here's your squad. Here's an overarching theme that we're working on, that kind of stuff. That would be good timing and really get people back into Mass Effect because it's been a while mm-hmm. now and it didn't really end the best way either with three. So we need to get the hype train, start getting it going and in a positive light as well. Mm-hmm. So, and also Masquerada, we're, we should be hearing some more as well, which yep. we enjoyed what we saw. I would really love to see what else they're working on. Uh, Joe, what about oh, and, you? Um, what's the, what's the, the vampire game? Vampire. 
Right. Yep. Yes. Vampire. I, I want to see another one. I, I definitely want to see more of that. Yeah, definitely. Did they actually say whether they're going to be there? I haven't seen it confirmed. I but haven't I'm, either. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, because that would be awesome. Joe, what the, about you? The, so there's one thing that I know is confirmed that I'm really excited to get more information about and then a whole bunch of rumors. Uh, first on my list is going to be the Cyberpunk 2077 uh, <laughs> by CD Projekt Red. Uh, I need it. I need it in my life. I need more gameplay. I need information. I need something. Uh, I love the Witcher series and I love the Witcher games and I love cyberpunk more than I love fantasy. And so if you're telling me that they, they're going to make a world bigger than they've already done with the Witcher and it's going to be, you know, cyberpunk, I need it. Give me cyberpunk 2077. But I, I, have a feeling we're going to see more about that now because we got the glimmer last year. They've been pretty tight-lipped about it because they've been really working on a lot of the other Witcher stuff. Uh, I think now that the expansion for Witcher has just been released that they're going to actually start teasing some more about this. Um, I've also... I I doubt we'll see too much about it until maybe like Gamescom or something, though, on their home turf. Maybe. I don't think we're going to get a whole lot, but we'll get something. We'll get something to keep us going. Um, I have it on very good authority that we'll hear something about Ubisoft's new IP this time around as well, um, because I know they have an unannounced project that is actually not anything to do with any of their current IPs, and we are not getting an Assassin's Creed game this year, thankfully. Um, they also I'll talk that when I see it. <laughs> well, they've already, they've already flat out announced. They've already flat out announced they're not doing it, uh, and I actually still like, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> But I have some, I have it on pretty good authority that we'll hear something about their new IP this uh, this time around. They also uh, are going to be announcing two new VR games. They said, yes, not the ones that they've already discussed the uh, the werewolf one and the the flying one, but something two different, brand new ones as well. And there's a couple other speculations. Uh, so Sucker Punch, which is the folks that made Infamous, mm-hmm. have already announced that they're working on a new Spider-Man video game, which is really intriguing to me. Because if you can be a Spider-Man game in the same quality as Infamous, I'll be very, very no happy. Kidding. So it's with Miles. Oh yeah, yes. if, they, Fuck if it's Peter Miles Perry. Morales, I'm fucking sold. Miles uh, and Genki, Asian Genki. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Can you imagine? Man, that would be a brilliant move on their part if they did that. Brilliant move on their part. It would be a brilliant move on their part and on Marvel's part, so let's hope. Well, that's the thing, because they're not going to just give us the same rehashed Spider-Man game that we've played and played and that we've watched. <laughs> Think and about what you just said. Well, I'm, I'm trusting in Sucker Punch at this point, not Activision. Yeah. But, yeah, that would be freaking awesome. Because, like, the not everybody has read those. And if you haven't, you probably already know what we're talking about. But, of course, it's the... Ultimate Universe Spider-Man, which was a black Hispanic boy named Miles Morales, who is freaking awesome. Great character, who has an awesome best friend named Genki. Plus, you had some story elements that were different than what we've seen time and time again with Peter. Not just in terms of how he got his powers, but also he has somewhat different powers as well. Yes. Plus the relationship with his folks, the relationships with his grandmother, (laughs) relationship with his (laughs) uncle. And so you have a lot of potential for different villains, different story arcs. Like, I mean, if they use his uncle as the villain kind of thing, holy crap, you could have a ton of fun with a game that's completely original, has some stealth elements because he can turn invisible. The, 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 you can have like the, the dots for his poisons that he can put into people or paralyze for, for crowd control. 
ton of stuff that'd be way different than what we've seen. Joe, you and got Roger way too. Hyped I'm for a this. little bit more excited you than I should be about that. I had well, not heard about that, and I was. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, if we see with my luck, though, they're going to announce it's Peter. Get him and be like, "Oh, you motherfuckers!" <laughs> I'm hopeful because the, the last the last really good game was Shattered Dimensions, and it was a little bit, at least in my opinion, and it was very different because you got different styles. And while they were all, you know, incarnation, well, with exception, there was one exception, uh, but there were two Peters, and then you had, and I can never remember his name. Oh my god, twenty ninety nine, Miguel, uh, Miguel, Miguel, yeah. yeah. So the Miguel sections were very, very popular. The Spider-Man Noir sections were very, very popular. And the other, the other sections were really solid. And, I mean, they, that game was moderately successful. If you put some more time and effort into an alternate Spider-Man theme, I think you'd be fine with it. Now, other things that were rumored, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's been a bunch of uh, concept art that shows somebody who looks an awful lot like Kratos in Norse settings now. Well, I mean, that's what originally the plan for God of War 2 was. So, I mean, that's definitely grabbed my interest because God of War as a concept was great, but it got really boring after you were beating up the same gods over and over again. I would really love to see Kratos start tearing through other pantheons. That would make me very, very happy because I do like the God of War games. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, And then maybe we'll get Last Guardian release date that'd be cool uh it's not the they need to come out on stage and say it's available now <laughs> sorry that'd be nice <laughs> because if they if they announce anything in the future nobody will believe them i won't believe and, if they say it's available now <laughs> and the other two things and then I'll, I'll stop talking about my my the supposed ones uh there's supposedly a prince of persia reboot possibly coming as well that might be announced at e3 which i think would actually be kind of cool and uh, there is the rumor mill starting to churn like it always does about Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, I kind of yeah, a lot about that. Yeah, but I've been here. I was going to say this is a little bit more strong than or, or it's stronger than previous incarnations of like rumor mills for it. So I'm hoping this actually means that we'll see something with Red Dead Redemption 2 or continuation or something because I miss that game. I love that game. I don't think we will, but I think I think that it's a matter of time. I don't think it's an if it will ever be done. I think it's a when, but I don't think it's now because we would have heard a lot more by now and legitimate news if they were actually working on it or at any uh, point Rock, where Rockstar tends to be pretty tight lipped. Yeah, like they, to this they degree? tend to be pretty close to the vest until like they have something to give and then they go, hey, by the way, we have this wonderful thing over here. Why don't you look at it? Oh, we have all this other stuff for you to look at too for it. Isn't it beautiful? So... We'll see. We did get a street date for Persona 5. People mm-hmm. are pissed off that they have to wait till February, I think they said. I've been America. saying for how long it's not going to be out in America until next year. Nobody ever listens to me. And you wonder why. Because I'm right all the time. I wonder why. Yes. <laughs> and also Titanfall 2 going to be coming out, which, I mean, I didn't play for a ton of time, but just because it kind of lost its appeal. The first one was a lot of fun when you did play it initially for a little while. It, it The controls were tight. It was fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I just wish there had been more to it, specifically also, obviously, a, a campaign to mm-hmm. to really keep you occupied as well. Yeah, they really need to build on that concept. Yeah. Because the concept is solid. Yeah. And then Watch Dogs 2 as well, which is 
you got to wonder again because they were uh, – I was reading a while back there was this phenomenal article on, on Ubisoft and where they see themselves now and what their major IPs are. And they still consider Watch Dogs one of their major IPs that they're working on. Obviously, they're bringing out the second one. So it would stand to reason that they learned what they had to from the first one and will apply that to the second one. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, let's right. hope because I mean it was a great concept. I just wanted more out of the game than we got. Hopefully, they do a second one that delivers. Yeah. It'd be nice certainly to see more on Horizon Zero Dawn as well. As was said, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll see a ton and then just be disappointed we don't get to play it for another nine months. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a while. Yeah, I think we'll see some stuff about Recore too. More stuff. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, and then there's like the Star Ocean kind of stuff as well which is every time they're showing more on that, it is justifiably looking fantastic. It's just when I'm ignoring that game on purpose, Roger. (laughs) (laughs) With good reason. Well, you're going to get some news on dragon's quest as well. Yes. I mean, I've already played that game. Oh, you have played that one. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the 3ds remake of the PS2 game. Right. Okay. Okay. Which is going to be great. I'm going to play the hell out of it because dragon quest eight is one of my favorite ones ever. One of the other ones, too, is uh, a new Attack on Titan that's coming out. And it's funny. Every time I hear of a new Attack on Titan, I'm hopeful I shouldn't be at this point <laughs> because all the ones so far I haven't been crazy about. But the, the the series is so powerful and so ingrained in my brain. I so enjoyed it that I want a game that does its justice. That actually is fun and that, you know, and frightening and everything else. And who knows? I haven't really looked at this new one much to see how it's going or what it's looking like. I'll be checking it out next week to see. But, man, I would love for this to be a really, really good game. So that is about it, actually, unless you boys have anything else. I I would probably be remiss if I didn't mention my annual disappointment with the lack of announcement for Beyond Good and Evil 2. I'll yeah. just get that out of the way now. Oh, really, yeah. I'm really sad that we didn't see that again this year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> I, I do not think we're going to see it anyway. There's there's no way in hell we're going to see that. I'm, I'm trying to reverse psychology them, Roger. I don't I think we're going to get work. some... We're probably going to get a couple boring announcements, too. I'm going to bet that Warner Brothers tries to pump out another Shadows of Mordor or Batman game. I would be against another Shadows of Mordor. I would be because it's knowing what I know about Warner Brothers at this point, it's just going to be another formulaic thing. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I can't get excited about it because it's not going to be original. It's just going to be basically, hey, this game is great. Let's reskin. All right, that was me. I opened up a tab I shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) And because Joe was talking, I can't erase it, so I just may as well explain it. But no, I was reading up on this Agents of Mayhem as well that's going to be coming out that we should oh, yeah. be getting some news on. And that looks pretty awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. So that'll be cool. I, I'm at the point where Saints Row and all of its spinoffs can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is... Even if I don't want to play them, I can appreciate them for just being cool, unique stuff. Quirky, weird-ass shit. Yeah. It just looks like fun as well kind of thing, so... And yeah, anyways. Uh, okay, let's move on to some other news, actually. D- did you actually play the Blood and Wine DLC, Vince? I, I still haven't even played Hearts of Stone. There's a lot of Witcher ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a game I'll play I, in chunks because it's just so daunting of the amount of content I have to get through. <laughs> I, I actually got to spend a little time with it, yeah. What did you think of it? 
Um, it might actually be better than the base game, and <laughs> I don't say that lightly. I, the, the, go I ahead. really appreciate all of the enhancements we got outside of the DLC, though, Like, because the PS4 version runs smoother now. The new UI, UI is fantastic. So even without the new content, it's a great update. Well, you know, for you council folks, yes, I'm very happy for you. I've already had that. Anyway, <laughs> but it's it's kind of cool because the way that they've been doing the monsters and the story surrounding the monsters in this, it's very cool. And Roger, actually, I think you might like this because it's basically, you know, murder and mystery in the land of the French. And it's kind of fun. <laughs> so, like, <Pretty> much. <laughs> I mean, do you want me do you want me to... Like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they already showed it in the, in, the, in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler. French vampires. Like, honest to God, French vampires. Not like the English wussies from the movies. Like, these are badass. Like, this is they a completely can... different type of wuss. No, they, these are badass <laughs> fucking vampires, man. They will sarcastically yeah. insult no, you while you drinking wine. You don't understand, man. <laughs> you don't understand. They will, they will murder you, but, uh, like... During you don't court. know, man. You weren't there. But at court, too, like, they are silver-tongued fucking bastards, and it is so well done. It's like the holidays with my aunts. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Holiday Sim 2016. Yeah. But, no, it's it's really well done, and it's well worth the time and money. And if you're even remotely a fan of the Witcher series, uh, I would suggest doing it. And you don't have to beat the normal content to go into it. It's basically you can go there like any other of the DLCs. It's it's well done, well worth the money. Awesome. There was also an update to uh, Darkest Dungeon. Yes, uh, the new. Uh, I forget what, everything burns is what they called the update. Uh, they, basically, this is now them saying the game is not complete but current. Like it, this is their full original vision of the game completed. So now any additional content that's added is going to be truly additional as far as the developers are concerned as well. And this is such a cool update because now when you come back from your runs, once you get back to town, there's a chance for random events to be happening. And these are anything from special recruitable team members to you know small buffs or debuffs. And it just adds another layer to the game because even some of them will specifically affect uh, your next mission like you you'll have extra experience and damage next time you go to the ruins so that's really going to drive you in that direction uh some of the other things like the uh the collect and destroy quests that nobody ever does because they're fucking awful <laughs> will now actually spawn well not guaranteed but have a higher chance of spawning some really nice special events like uh, everything in the abbey is free if you've got insane people throw them in there and it, it's really going to add another layer to what you can do so and also it's not just hey here's some events brand new artwork brand new narration to go along with it it's going to add more to that kind of story feel that's you know it's not a story you're being told but it's a story you're experiencing and even a full-on special quest that can spawn called wolves at the door Uh, it'll only spawn once you have four or more heroes up to level five, but it's basically bandits attack the town and you'll go to a special dungeon scenario where you have to fight off the bandits. And if you fail, they're going to steal shit from the town, (laughs) downgrade your blacksmith, you know, make off with some supplies. So it's just, this game just keeps getting friggin' better. man. See, I don't like that shit though, because I work too fucking hard. (laughs) 
to upgrade my shit that if they start taking it away, I'm going to lose it on them. <laughs> that is not what well, you want to see. You have incentive not to lose the scenario. Yeah, no, that ain't going to do it. They're coming up with new and creative ways to fuck you. Yeah, really? <laughs> Christ. Oh, you have all these powerful heroes. That's great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, this is why I say, like, that is a true roguelike mentality as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. How can we fuck our players and make them love us? Great. Let's do that. And but it, just, just like all the other things they've added to the game, you can actually go into the options menu and change how frequent or infrequent the random encounters are. So if you don't like them, you can turn them off. You fucking right. You will not touch my blacksmith. <laughs> you stay away from my shit. I worked too hard for that. Oh. I actually haven't been playing nearly as much of that. My go-to game for the last, well, for a little while now, has been Overwatch. And it's just yep. perfect for me in terms of, like, during my breaks and then during my lunch break. And then a little bit while I'm editing kind of thing later on. But it's been perfect. So I haven't I haven't played for a little while. I need to get back in. Yeah, it really too. motivates you to do some work after two shitty matches healing, huh? <laughs> I don't want to play this fucking game anymore. I'm going to go work. No, that's when you just switch over to Farrah and just blow the shit out <laughs> of everybody. Fuck you assholes. <laughs> we need a support. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you see, I just, I, I've taken the Roger approach to things. I turn off all general chat and shit. Just, nope, 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 nope. If you're not my party, I can't see what you're typing. No, I. you know what the game... My enjoyment in the game has skyrocketed since my son told me, oh, just hit P and mute everybody. Ever since then, I love it so much more. I don't care what <laughs> I'm playing. I don't care if they're passively, aggressively switching on and off and on and off during characters. Select the same one that you chose just so that they'll, they'll I had it first. I had it. Fuck you. I'm just going to, if I want to play my Torbjorn, I'm playing a Torbjorn. <laughs> and <laughs> it's great. Anyways, we kind of derailed there for a minute. <laughs> Joe, you also found that Oxen Free for the Music oh. of Oxen Free video, which I thought was super interesting. Well, there, there's there's three cool things that I have learned as a result of this. One, uh, the vinyl is coming. The vinyl soundtrack is being released for Oxen Free, which is kind of a huge deal. Uh, if you're like me and Roger, we love vinyl, and that's sort of a thing. So I'm totally totally getting that. It's actually you know pre-ordered. Um, that was really cool. But during that, they there was a video where they were talking about the creation of the music and not just the music, the sound for the game. And the engineer, uh, the sound designer who actually, a musician who worked on this, uh, was C. Andrew Warman. And if you've played Oxenfree, you notice that it has a lot of very unique sounds and music and the way that it integrates it into the storytelling it, it's whether you love it or hate it, it's there and it's and it's it's done to sort of kind of coincide with the mood. Well, we actually got to talk or, or listen to, to Andy Warman talk about how he went about creating that music. And it was really, really cool because instead of like using super expensive software or super expensive equipment, he went to like the Army Surplus store and got like a tape deck. And he went and got these super old recorders and the super old hardware to really recreate the feel of what the theme was for the game. And so a lot of those unique sounds are like him routing, you know, he jokes at one point, a $3,000 piece of equipment through a $30 piece of equipment (laughs) to get those unique sounds. And that was so cool. And then he talks about all the stuff that he hid in the game and the music. And I want, it should be noted that he did this all with, not ever seen the scenes 
not actually playing the game, just being given descriptors of we want the scene to feel like this. We want the scene to feel like this. We want this to feel like this. And he's like, all right, I got this. He never saw he never saw the scenes play out. He never saw the characterizations. He just had like frameworks to work with, which is absolutely phenomenal. But he hid like snippets of Morris code in the sounds in order to tell an additional story on top of the story. And I don't know if you like if you've actually gone through and seen what the hidden Morris code actually spells out, but it's really, really cool because it pertains particularly with how everything started. And it actually finds out that the game warns you about what's happening as you're playing through it. It's ridiculous. It was a phenomenal insight, especially when sound engineering and music and, and, and audio and games is so important to me when I play them. And if you've listened to when we talked about Oxenfree to begin with, I adored Oxenfree's soundtrack. I really, really did. I enjoyed the sound engineering. I appreciated it, everything that they put into it. And to see how much care he put into the creation of those sounds and also the use of analog technology as opposed to like fancy digital filters, I'm super happy. Well, it was also just the out-of-the-box thinking that led to a lot of how he did things. Instead of, like you're saying, relying on digital clips to just shove in there, thinking about different ways to get that sound old school, essentially, is what it breaks down to. And I, you already know that. That's why you sent me the link. That that sound editing for me is... Mm-hmm. I would love to do more in that kind of work because it's it's a ton of fun to be able to move a person by way of sound that's that's profoundly impactful and you know that when you've played a game where the sound does justifiably make a huge difference in the game and this obviously had that in spades oh yeah absolutely so now a couple of weeks ago after a drunken conversation with your girlfriend Vince (laughs) and when I say drunken conversation she was the one that was plastered not so much for me I don't know did you ever see those tweets yeah. Oh my God. That's something for her to be proud of. Let me tell you. <laughs> I was watching it happen and just let it happen. I, How many face bombs? I need to know. I was laughing hysterically. First of all, <laughs> I could not <laughs> stop laughing because she was just ready to go. She, she was, I'm guessing she's a chatty drunk. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Yes, she is. And I love that. That's That's my whole family. So that's awesome. Anyways, I had been joking around because I had set up that stupid pub encounter game that they bought me. (laughs) And it's been one of those things where it's like, I'm going to have to play this at some point. I don't want to, but they spent real money on me. It's for fun. I'll do it. And then I I, I joked that I was going to play it in the afternoon and she lost it and she was getting mad. And it just so happened that Karen wanted to do something anyway. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll put it off. And then I was going to do it that night and stream it. And then she was plastered. I'm going, well, no sense doing it now. turns out she (laughs) wanted to see it anyways. So I started playing and she and Sushi came into chat and we were shooting the breeze while I was playing this. This I heard it did not go well. It is horrible. It is a piece (laughs) of shit game. Unbelievable. Now, part of the issue that I take with a lot of these games, and this is something that we talked about with them as well when we had them on the show, is how little control you as the woman in the story are given. And part of that is no doubt on purpose, and some of it is a limitation of the genre. I'm willing to accept that. But some of it is also just 
misogynistic bullshit. And this game here, now you're supposed to be picking up middle-aged men. <laughs> Gay, <laughs> first of all. And uh, so you literally, you start off, there's no mention of you really to speak of, so you don't know who as a character you are. You just know you're a woman. You had a long day at the office. You need to unwind. So you go into a pub where you could just have a drink, relax, unwind, and then go home. Immediately upon entering said pub, you are accosted by every single man in the, in the, in the pub. They are all coming to you. They're all bothering you. They're making sleazy, stupid comments to you. And it's like one after another. One of them is a cardigan-wearing grandfather who's hitting on you. The fucking bartender is hitting on you. Yahoo idiots are hitting on you. Everybody. Everybody. There's no organic kind of feel to the story where it's slowly there's a story that progresses and you get to meet them a little at a time. If you hear, No. All of them are in your face from the get-go. As new guys walk into the bar, they accost you. And it's a childish dialogue of, oh, my God, we never see women in here. It's like it's a the stereotype of a, a gamer basement kind it's of like thing. It's like a comic shop. Yeah, where it's like that stereotype of, oh, my God, we never see women. It, literally, that they say that. We never get women in this pub. And all of them are bothering you. Now, they start buying you drinks. At one point, you, quote, unquote, fall asleep and pass out after too many drinks. You weren't roofied or anything. You just passed out. And nobody wakes you. Nobody calls a cab or gets you home. They talk about you while you are passed out there. And there's other a couple comments that I kind of went, whoa, whoa, that's no, not good. Anyways, you leave. And, well, you're there a little bit longer, and then you get to choose who you want to, to, to quote-unquote again, romance, out of these fucking Yahoo idiots. So I decided, <laughs> fine, I'm just going to go with the bartender. He looks to be the least objectionable out of all of these assholes. That, that's the first sign of danger, right? Yeah, really. Stranger <laughs> danger right there, let me tell you. So He's I, the least creepy? Oh, no. <laughs> so... Everybody's buying you these different drinks that have meanings, secret meanings that are sleazy as fuck as well. And so she decides she's going to research this a little. So she gets a book on drinks and their meanings and this and that. And while she's in the park reading this, a couple of guys, young guys, come up to her and attempt to rape her. Jesus. Yeah. Like, seriously, not just a making a couple of sleazy comments. They are aggressively trying to rape her the bartender just happens to show up and saves the day saves her saves the damsel in distress that is about to be raped by these two guys and then is grateful to him and so decides to go out on a kind of a date coffee date or drink date with her or with him to talk and shit like that it was so it had me so upset and I was telling them, like, because we were joking in the chat room and whatnot. But as I'm playing, I'm going, like, I I, I really don't want to play this. I'm playing this because you bought this for me. And there's going to come a point real soon where I'm going to say, nope, that's it. I can't do this anymore. Because it was that object- objectionable. It just pissed me off to no end, everything that they were doing. 
So it, they, they were nice too. They were saying like, stop. If you don't want to play, stop, obviously. And I was like, I got to the, the a point where it's like, nope, that's it. I The conversation with him, it was like, nope. It, making her appear like a victim, like someone who can't, has absolutely no control over life or no, no nothing. And then the, the, the roofing her, the attempted rape. And I'm like, nope, I'm done. And so, yeah, but I, I justifiably put in over an hour into it and, and I promptly uninstalled it. <laughs> so that is pub encounters <laughs> for any, if there are any. Listen to this show who knew that I had been gifted this and wondered how the game is. There you have it. Don't buy it. That's all I can say. <laughs> and with that, we are going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you very much for listening. We are going to have a feature from Joe after this on Dark Souls 3, which he has been loving. So you're going to want to stick around and listen to that. You can find the live stream on Mondays at ForTheLore.com slash live when we're able to record on Mondays. And that's at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can find us on Twitter at For the Lore or individually Joe is Loaders at J, Vince is Simodian, and I am Zen Buddhist. You can also leave us your thoughts and comments on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you tomorrow when we have our D&D 200th episode. Take care. Dark Souls is a game franchise often lauded for its difficulty and tight gameplay, as well as its brutal mentality of putting players through hell and back again. Oftentimes, this is what people will focus on, and what is often overlooked is the fact that there is actually a very intricate story at play in the Dark Souls game world. Recently, Dark Souls 3 was released, and me being who I am, I wanted to dive in. And much to my surprise, Dark Souls 3, being what is supposed to be the final game of the series, does a fantastic job of tying up the lore that has been sort of running rampant over two games. Now, Dark Souls has made it a, a kind of a habit to sort of hide the lore, not just through the gameplay and the cinematics, uh, but through hidden areas, special areas, items, uh, and certain NPCs that you will get do quests for or obtain items from. In 1 and 2, this is a little sparser than you would expect, but in 3, they're everywhere. And 3 does a fantastic job of retelling the story of Dark Souls. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit to the beginning and tell you just a, a little bit about the Dark Souls story in case you don't know. Everything starts with the Age of Ancients. These are dragons that have immortality granted them by the Primordial Crystal, which is a super powerful artifact, and they're stone skins. During their time where they reign over the sky, earth, and sea came the fire, the first fire, and with the fire came the four Lord Souls. Massive, massive souls that granted those who wielded them the powers unto a god. There were three that sought to shape the world and sort of waged war on the ancients. Nito, the first of the dead, the witch of Isolith, and Lord Gwyn, the lord of sunlight. They eventually, with the aid of Seath the Scaleless, an albino dragon not born with any of the perks of the immortal dragons or ancients, were able to topple the dragons and take over the world. And this was known as the Age of Fire. 
this is where we start the game, so to speak. The Age of Fire is sort of the Middle Age, where civilizations have sprung up, and everything has sort of flourished in the light, the nourishing light of these this fire in the Lord's souls. Then there's the prophesized coming of the dark. At some point, all of the Lord souls start to wane a little bit. They start to deteriorate, and their power starts to diminish. The fire starts to go out. Some of them try to reignite the fire through the use of arcane sorceries only to create fresh hell and demons, which is where they come from. Basically, the curse of Izalith, the witch. She fails to reignite the flame, and she becomes the mother of all demons. Lord Gwyn hatches a plot where he will essentially divide his power to his followers, and he will then use his own soul to keep the fire alive. Now, why is this important? This is because of the Third Age, or the Dark Age, the Age of Humanity. It was prophesied that the flame would go out and that the lords would cease to be, and in their stead, man would rule the earth. Basically, they'd be left to their own devices, a natural progression of things. Gwyn didn't like this. Then his linking of the fire was to postpone the coming of darkness. And this is where the curse of the undead comes from. The fourth Lord Soul, which was the pygmy, basically created the curse of undead. Now, normally when people die, they're dead. Their souls go to wherever they go, and that's the end of it. With the curse of the undead, when you die, you're reborn from the ashes of a bonfire. If you are cursed with this dark sign, you can never truly die. However, over the course of your many lives, you do lose your sense of humanity, or become hollow. You become more feral with each death. Well... That's where the players come in. We are one of these cursed folks. Now, throughout the games, you are convinced that it is your job to keep the fire linked, to keep the darkness from coming. But what you find out in Dark Souls 3 is that essentially what you've been doing this entire time, what, what all these heroes, all these chosen ones have been doing, is perpetuating a broken cycle, a world out of phase. The world is decrepit and crumbling and falling down. There is a corruption that is spread, not only through the hollows, but the creatures of the world as well. There is a curse at, foot, at hand here, basically kicking everything into this state of decay. But you're never really certain if it is because that is what the curse is, or if it's because Gwyn linked the fires. Well, a little bit of a spoiler here. It's because Gwyn linked the fires. He put the world out of phase. Now, what Dark Souls 3 does is it takes this idea, which has been present through several of the games, at least in, in smaller options, and actually takes time to show you a world in which the fire is not linked. Now, this is really important because never before has From Software ever showed you this. They, we've never visited an alternate dimension or a different reality. We've only been in this decaying husk of a world. Well, here in one of the hidden areas, after an optional boss, after the consumed king, who is somebody who tried to unlock the heritage of his royal blood by screwing around with dragon magic, basically, 
you find an entrance to a world where the fire was never linked, where darkness reigns, and there is no dark sign in the sky. Here you find a lot of things. You find what is essentially a layer over your starting area. Many of the items are there. All of the landscape is there. You find an uncorrupted version of the first boss. His items in his story are that he was waiting. He was a champion, an heir of fire, going to link the fire, but he was too late. You find the eyes of a firekeeper. The firekeepers tend the bonfire flames, the system basically that allows the undead to come back. They guide the chosen one on their path to link the fires, but their cost is that they must give up their sight. Now, anybody who knows the firekeeper knows that they are an important person in the Dark Souls lore. They are who you speak to to level up by using your consumed souls. They are the people who tell you the most of what's going on and try to direct your actions as best as possible. They're your caretaker. Here, however, you find that their eyes aren't just gone through magic. They're actually ripped out at some point. And you have the option, once you find them, to give them to the firekeeper. And if you do so, you unlock a very interesting path. For once, you can actually choose what to do. Now, normally, when you beat the game, or beat the game in the past of Dark Souls 1 or 2, you just link the fire. You go through, you sit on the throne, you use your soul to keep it going for that much longer. And the firekeepers tell you that this is the right thing to do. But once you give the firekeeper her eyes, or the firekeeper's eyes, she has a harsh realization. She sees the world for what it is decaying and broken and out of sync, out of phase. And she tells you that if you should choose to not link the fire, that she'll back your play, that she will lie to all the lords of Cinder, that she will lie on your behalf if you wish to plot against the cycle that is broken, against linking the flame, if you wish to destroy what Lord Gwyn so desperately wanted to put together and keep going. And that's sort of a huge momentous thing because you as the player are granted this ability of choice. Now, Dark Souls 3 gives, Dark Souls in general, I should say, has given you in the past the, the sense of choice. You choose which bosses to go to. You choose which paths to take. But ultimately, they always lead to the same end point. And yes, your choices do matter in which NPCs you interact with. And your choices do matter in which quests are there. Or how you traverse the world and what you find and what you do. But it always comes back to the same thing. You always prove your worthiness to a final boss. And you link the flame. Here, you get a choice. You can link the flame, which, you know, that that's fine and dandy. But if you found this secret hidden area you can actually herald in the Age of Darkness. You can herald in this end of the undead curse. You can take that dark sign and get rid of it because there is no more sun, there is no more light, and rebuild the world anew. And it's a very powerful moment. Now beyond that, as you reach the... Even if you don't get to that particular ending, or if you choose not to follow that, 
the game ties together all of the previous incarnations. All of the bosses are either callbacks to previous incar- previous zones or previous bosses, and each one tells a little bit more of the story, how everything is interconnected. You find out that by playing Dark Souls 3, the world of Dark Souls 1 and the world of Dark Souls 2 are the same. They're not separate. They're not separate regions. They're not separate entities. Everything is tied together. Every NPC is part of the same story. Every boss is part of the same world, part of the same cycle. And you realize just how enormous everything is. I'm going to give From Software a lot of credit here. They do give you a lot of story up front, but the the hidden gems, the hidden bosses, the secret items, the various cutscenes, the hidden quests, everything weaves a truly intricate and great story. If you love that type of story, you love discovering the lore of ancients and gods and the will of humanity, there's a lot here. It's not just a game of brutal combat, of having your teeth kicked in, or of having to memorize patterns. Yes, that's there, but there is actually a story. There is a purpose to everything you are doing. And Dark Souls 3 does a great job of giving you these revelation moments where you realize that in Dark Souls 2, you were manipulated from the start. It was never your choice. Dark Souls 1, where you're freed from the asylum, you're set on this path. You were never given to choose. And you're not exactly a special person. Those previous unkindled ash, those previous undead that went to go link the fires, you're just one of many. One of many of a system that Lord Gwyn had set up to take advantage of this curse, to link the fire, to keep it going perpetually so that his heirs, the Lords of Fire, could remain. So that the time of man would never come to pass, that the age of dark would never come, and the cycle would never go through. In Dark Souls 3, there's the blending of the ancients. Dragons are everywhere. In Dark Souls 1 and 2, it was a big thing if you ever saw anything dragon-like. But here, you see the followers of Seath the Scaleless. You go to the Dragon Top Mountain. You fight the unnamed king. You fight his dragon. Not a drake, not a wyvern, a dragon. You see that the ancients are still exist at this time. They're there. Some of them have fallen to the corruption that is eating away at this world. But they're there. There is such enormity in the storytelling in this game that I highly recommend people picking it up. Yes, the game will bash your teeth in. Yes, it will be difficult. But the payoff, that reward at the end, that that epiphany moment that this game gives you is so absolutely phenomenal. I have been floored. I think that this is by far the best game in their series. Again, it will likely be the last in the series, but damn if they didn't go out with a bang. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show.
If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. 